Hello, and welcome to the Heavenbound Podcast. My name is Jason Harden. I'm here with Roger Schaus, and we are opening the Bible in search of fuel for your spiritual journey. This is where we talk about life, the way it was meant to be, and what it means to be a disciple of Jesus in the 21st century. Thanks for joining us on the journey today. Well, it's April 1st, the first day of April, and we know that as April's Fool's Day. April Fool's. And if you have little ones in your house, you've probably been fooled several times by them already. (laughs) Somebody will stand at the window and say, look, it's snowing, and you run to the window, even though it may be 60 degrees, and they'll say, ha ha, April Fool's. And there's all kinds of stuff that people will do. Well, we thought we would just kind of jump off that idea. And for this month, we're going to spend some time talking about the word fool as used in the Bible. It's one of the strongest words God uses. It's found all over the Bible, and particularly in the book of Proverbs. The word fool is found over 78 times in the book of Proverbs. And what God does is he talks about the characteristic of a fool. He talks about the mouth of the fool. He talks about the trouble that a fool will cause. And in fact, in chapter 14 of Proverbs and also chapter 26, chapter 14 and chapter 26, the word fool is found nine times in both of those chapters. So that is predominant theme in the book of Proverbs is that concept of a fool. And so, Jason, you got a few of them here you want to just read to us. Yes, we've got five Fridays in April, but we're not going to run out of material. That is for sure. Let me just give you a sampling here. And as I read these from Proverbs, see if you can't figure out what is underlying uh, all of these descriptions of a fool. What do they have in common? Proverbs chapter 10, beginning in verse 8, says, The wise of heart will receive commands... But a babbling fool will be ruined. Uh, Verse 14 of Proverbs 10. Wise men store up knowledge, but with the mouth of the foolish, ruin is at hand. Verse 18. He who conceals hatred has lying lips, and he who spreads slander is a fool. Verse 21, the lips of the righteous feed many, but fools die for lack of understanding. In chapter 12, beginning in verse 15, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man is he who listens to counsel. A fool's anger is known at once, but a prudent man conceals knowledge. Chapter 12, verse 23, wise people don't make a show of their knowledge, but fools broadcast their folly. Chapter 14 and verse 3, in the mouth of the foolish is a rod for his back, but the lips of the wise will protect them. One more, chapter 15 and verse 5, a fool rejects his father's discipline But he who regards reproof is sensible. Now, Roger, let me just ask you, as you listen to that, is Solomon just ridiculing this person? Is this uh, just a slanderous put down or... Is there something deeper going on here? There's something a lot deeper. And he's not describing someone that we may think as a simpleton. 
someone that the uh, crude language may say is dumb. He's, he's, not, he's not saying that. A person became a fool by his choice. And so it's not like a person was born this way and that's just the way he is. No, he, he is, his lack of God in his life has led him to become arrogant, closed his ears. He won't listen to anybody because he thinks he is right. And because he thinks he's right and doesn't realize that he is wrong, he just every step he takes is a wrong step. And so we're looking at, at a heart that is arrogant and a heart that's lacking God. And because of that, his choices just keep multiplying the sins in his life. And he causes trouble everywhere he goes. What I hear is, okay, uh, we could have two different people sit down and take an IQ test, and the person who scores higher but has a closed, arrogant mind is actually more likely to be described as the fool than the person who scores lower on the IQ absolutely, test. Absolutely, absolutely. So it's not about intelligence. It's not about your your place in life. Uh, I, I think as we go through these Proverbs this month and we look at some of these, there, there are going to be some people that we know come to our mind. Some of them may be running countries or some of them may be in positions of governors or mayors. Uh, they may be Hollywood people. They may be sports stars, very, very famous people, but they lack sense of God. And because of that and because of their arrogant nature, they won't listen to anybody they are described as a fool. You know, you mentioned, okay, listening to God, and maybe the most foundational description of a fool. We'll certainly come back to Proverbs throughout this series, but if we go to the book before this, Psalm 14, verse 1, puts it pretty starkly. When we're talking about this person who isn't listening, thinks he knows what is best, lacks understanding and and sense, uh, is, is headed in absolutely the wrong direction. David says in Psalm 14, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. And, you know, the, the Hebrew word is Nabal. Uh, we think about that story with David and uh, the woman who's married to somebody by that very name, she said he is as his name is, which meant he was a fool. And that is why here, it's easy to say there is no God. I mean, it's not the complicated words. It's somebody who says that and you're lacking sense. Look around you, open your eyes. God has left footprints everywhere. God has shown and displayed himself all over the world. Psalms chapter 8 describes that. Psalms 19 describes how the heavens are declaring the glory of God. Here's a person that just says there's no God. And because of that, his choices are going to reflect that. He's going to be a material man. He's not going to think about eternity. He's not going to think about the consequences of his actions. Why? Because there is no God. I'm going to live for myself, do what I want to do, and nobody's going to tell me otherwise. So, for instance, uh, I could have two different people open Genesis 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And basically, we have two choices, right? What God has said versus what many people say. Is there a God? 
Is there no God? Well, we know the direction that the fool is going to go. He's going to say, well, no, there, there, there isn't any God. I don't need to listen to Genesis 1 or Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 1, that calls young people, remember your creator in the days of your youth. And I've got one of two choices. Is there a creator or is there not a creator? What we're being told is it is foolish to live as if your creator does not exist. And by saying that there is no God doesn't mean God's going to go away. It doesn't mean he disappears. Uh, Whether you want to acknowledge him or not, he is. Whether you want to follow him or not, he is. And and when I think of, of Psalms 14, verse 1, I always get this image of Charles Darwin. And he is sometimes called the father of evolution. Actually, the evolutionary principles began way long be- before him. But he was a son of a minister. He was a smart man. He was a scientist. He was an author and wrote books. But his heart was closed to God. So everything he saw, everything that happened, had to happen naturally in his idea. God's finger was not there. God did not create anything. It just happened naturally. And that became the birthplace of a lot of followers of that concept who just look at science and say, this cannot be created because that just doesn't happen. You deny God, then your only conclusion is it happened naturally. And that is the stance of the fool. Well, what I appreciate about Psalm 19, one of several things is that it doesn't simply acknowledge this is the pathway of foolishness, but it takes us theoretically down a little further that pathway. And when human beings deny anyone greater than themselves, uh, when we set aside a standard, when we don't listen to a standard of righteousness and a call for self-control, and we say there is no judgment to come, Boy, there are some ugly doors that open up. Uh, Psalm 14, latter part of verse 1, they are corrupt. They do abominable deeds. There is none who does good. Verse 3, they have all turned aside. Together they have become corrupt. There is none who does good, not even one. In the latter part of verse 4, evildoers are described as those who eat up others as they eat bread and do not call upon the Lord. Setting God aside outside of the picture, we have centuries, millennia worth of human history that shows that does not lead to the good life. That does not produce human flourishing. It certainly doesn't produce harmony and peace between human beings or nations. Uh, This is a dangerous door to open, I believe, is what Psalm 14 is teaching us. Absolutely. I mean, why should I forgive if there's no God? Why should I be kind if there's no God? Why should I be generous if there's no God? I mean, if I, if this is it, I'm going to get as much as I want. And if I got to step on people, I step on people too bad. And that concept of the survival of the fittest, the strongest dominate, that's the concept of the person who lives without God. 
Now, in the book of Romans, chapter 1, this very idea is brought up as Paul is painting the picture of the Gentile mind. He says in verse 18, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and the righteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness, because that which is known about God is evident within them, for God made it evident to them. Now, the Gentiles did not have the law of Moses. They didn't have the Old Testament as we think about that. But God is still saying they have reasons. They have reasons to know I am here. Verse 20, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature has been clearly seen, being understood through that which he has made so that they are without excuse. So what he's saying here in Romans 1 is for the person to say, well, I just don't know if there's a God. Open your eyes. Look all around you. Look how when, when winter seems so dead, the trees look dead, the yards look dead, but when spring comes, they just snap back to life. Where's life come from? It comes from God. And that's what he's trying to see. In verse 21, for even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened. There's that fool. Professing to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man and of birds and of four-footed animals and crawling things. You know, in essence, they were still worshiping. They were worshiping idols. But what they failed to see is all around them was God's evidence. It was easy to see they had just closed their eyes to those things. Yeah, that professing to be wise phrase. It makes me think of Paul's warning in Colossians chapter 2 when he he says, listen, you need to beware. You don't let anybody take you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world. It's not to say, of course, that there isn't anything we can learn from philosophy. There, There is certainly a lot that we can learn from the traditions of various civilizations that have been preserved for us. But The tipping point, as it's revealed in that Romans chapter 1 passage, is the man or the woman who says, look at how wise I am. Look at how sophisticated I am. Look at how advanced I am, and it has nothing to do with God. In fact, God isn't even in the the picture. This was all me. Well, that's when philosophy becomes false. That, that's when deceit becomes empty. That, that's when tradition becomes futile. And even in that Colossians 2 passage, what's being left behind by embracing these sorts of things is what Paul describes as the treasures of wisdom and knowledge that are available to all in Christ. And so what a lot of you, a lot of people do is they use themselves as a standard. Look how successful I am. Look how many degrees I have. Look what I have accomplished in my life. And as you said, I've done this on my own. And so that, that just shows there's no God. And they don't realize that God has been blessing them. They haven't realized that. And they have no answer for suffering. 
They have no hope in trouble. And as Jesus talked about the storms that come, their houses collapse because as long as things are going well and they're successful, they don't think they have a need for God. They just move God out that he doesn't even exist. But now when trouble happens, they have no one to turn to. They have no one to pray to. They have nothing that they believe in, and all their success, all the things that they have are not going to help them. Then they realize how alone they are because they put themselves in that corner. All right, Roger. Before we're done, let me ask you a question. What would you say to the disciple of Jesus who, I believe there's a God, and I believe I need to submit my life to him, but I have someone in my life who would call me the fool for believing those sorts of things. How would you encourage them? Well, you know, Paul does that in the book of 1 Corinthians. He talks about the foolishness of the cross. To the world, it's foolish, he says. You know, here we are, we're talking about a man who died a long time ago, and he came out of the grave. And we're talking about following this old, old book, the Bible. And why are we taking what we do from a book and not just, why don't you just do what you want to do? Why are you listening to someone else? That seems foolish, But when we look at it, we understand that God is a creator. God made us the way we are. God put us in this generation as he wants us to be. And God has blessed us and redeemed us and given us hope. Uh, You can call somebody a fool, but that doesn't mean that they are. But when God does, he really does. Yeah, just before that Romans 1, you started in verse 18, I don't think it's a coincidence that Paul says in verse 16, I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God to salvation, uh, for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. He's, he's anxious to come to Rome, the, 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 the capital of the world. And I think he's prepping these believers for Okay, there are some who perhaps they, they're, they're gonna conform to God's will and people in the world with minds set on this world, they may call you a fool. And if another human being calls you a fool, well, that may hurt. It may sting a little, but that's his opinion. Whereas there are those who conform to the world, they leave God out of their thinking. They foolishly boast there is no God, and it is God who calls them a fool. So there, there maybe is the key takeaway. If you're called by a, uh, you're you're called a fool by another person. Well, uh, that's their opinion. God calls you a fool. That's a fact that echoes into eternity. You know, there's no story about this atheist who died and. People went to his funeral, and there he was all dressed up in his casket. Somebody says he's all dressed up and has no place to go. But actually, he was. He was going someplace, and he didn't realize that. And as Romans 14 would tell us, and as it tells us in the book of Philippians, there's a time coming when every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess. You can be a fool in this life and say there's no God, but someday you'll see him face to face, and you won't be saying that then. And we need to realize the power of God through all these things. So, you know, when we look at this first lesson here, and we talk about the fool, 
uh, he, he's not he's not a fool because he's just didn't know the evidence is there he's he's walking all over the evidence of God God's evidence is everywhere it's through his word it's through the natural world it's through his people there's proof everywhere that there is a God this is a person who's chose to close his eyes I cl- I, I choose not to acknowledge it because if I acknowledge there's a God and he made me and he's going to judge me then that leads to, I better do what he says. But if I remove God out of the way, then there's no wrong. I can say anything I want. I can do anything I want. And nothing bad is going to happen to me. When I die, I'll be like the little goldfish. I'll just be dead. But so what? I had a great time in this life. But if there's a God, that changes the whole story. And so I think, I think that's kind of the backdrop of why some people say that. You can say it, but that doesn't mean it's going to be. And so, again, the righteous person realizes, and he knows. April Fools, we've got a lot to talk about. Maybe you know someone who could benefit from these discussions. As I mentioned at the top, this is one of five. We'll look at a variety of different ways fools are described, warned, even encouraged, as we'll see in the Bible. But, Roger, I appreciate you joining me today, kicking it off with me. Thanks to all of you for listening to the Heaven Bound Podcast. We hope it's helped you set your mind on things above and given you a little more fuel for the journey. Always remember, when you're walking with Jesus, you're heaven bound, and the best is yet to come.